Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, buddy? Greggy. You know what? We were just talking about it. Not the greatest NFL week for your boy. I'm sorry, buddy. Not the best, but... Uh, what hap- what, what, what week, happened? Week 9 nearly in the books. We have a slobber knocker tonight. And the Cowboys and the Titans. Two marquee matchups yesterday, Greg. Only one of them lived up to the hype. One of them was awesome. Absolutely awesome. One of them was awesome. Uh, under? Not correct in that game. That was incorrect! What were the bets that you had again? Should you go over our bets? Friday? I know I took the Bucks. I know I, that. But I, honestly, man. I know I went one the and bu- two. The Bucks did exactly what I expected them to do. They did exactly what everyone expected. They just didn't do. get all the way there. That was the issue. They, they, yeah, they almost did it, though. I took Tampa Bay, which was incorrect. Did you say Washington? I took Houston, which was correct. Correct. And I took the New England Patriots, which was correct. So you go two and one. Two and one. one. You took the Green Bay. You took Green Bay. That was incorrect. Crushed me in every. You took over in New England. That was correct, right? Over in New England. No, over for the game, Greg. It was fifty-six and a half. Didn't get there. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then you took the under in Detroit. Wasn't a great weekend. Was that was that right? Under Detroit? No, I got that right. Yeah, so we I actually were, bet on that too. Oh, so that's good. So you're one and two, <laughs> which brings our totals here. I am now twelve and twelve. You are thirteen and eleven. So there you go. Nice job, Frankie. Nice job. Just barely holding on to one point lead. I'll just I'll just read a few names from my home league squad. I was uh, I was facing a three and five team. I was five and three. I faced the one and six team. I was six and two. One and seven team. Did you? Uh, how'd you do? Not well, Frank. Not well. I'll get into that in a moment. Kirk Cousins, six point eight. Kenyon Drake, five point five. I had that. Doug Martin, seven point four. Okay. Julian Edelman, right spot, fourteen point three. Great. Pretty good, yeah. Mike Evans, two point one. Tammy Watkins, eight point nine. Chris Herndon, eight point two. Isaiah Crowell, six point five. Joe Flacco, eight point two. I have the Cowboys kicker tonight. That's great. Jets defense, the one bright spot of the entire Jets yesterday. Well, Elijah McGuire as well. We get into that later on. Uh, for me, Frankie. Um. I started Devontae Booker, and he scored a touchdown. I was like, ah, oh, I got to win I thought of you when I saw that. I was like, oh, great, you must be happy. I was like, I got to win now, you know? <laughs> Jordan Reed at 5.4. It was, wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, maybe Amari Cooper will be inactive tonight. Then I'll have a shot to win. Oh, really? How much are you up by? I'm down. Oh. Uh, five. And I have Ryan Suckup. Okay. Against his Amari Cooper. Yeah. So <laughs> Doesn't seem great. Here's where everything went wrong, to be honest with you. Yep. Michael Thomas. The last, the 72-yard touchdown. Against you? The 72-yard touchdown. Because you also had Will Lutz. So it was a 15-point swing. If I was up 10 with Ryan Suckup against Amari Cooper, I'd feel, I'd feel good, you know? Um, but I don't. So then I went into Sunday night football um, having Devontae Adams against Aaron Jones, Jimmy Graham, and MVS. And all of them did quite well. Nice. No, not nice, not nice. Frank. <laughs> the quite opposite of nice. That was a team that literally is 1-7 in seven on a six-game losing streak. It's one I had to have, and I didn't. Oh, God. I mean, hey, that's the, uh, that's the joy of fantasy football, right? Anybody can beat anybody. Not joyful. Not joyful. Sorry, bud. Not a great weekend for the BFFs. No. How was the rest of your weekend? Wait, wait, wait. But, it, but it was a good weekend for the BFFs because we, we won. No, we didn't. We didn't win. We're up 12, and he has Gallup. We get oh, I feel, I feel good about that. 
I mean, I feel really good about that. Yeah, I mean, we have greater than a 50% chance to win, but it's not like uh, it's yeah. not in the bag yet. I took it into the bag. Michael, Michael Gallup, Gallup if he scores a touchdown, we lose. No, he doesn't. No, he don't. If he's only cashed in a like full 10 point yards. PPR. Yeah, 10 yard touchdown. Easy. Win. Boom. I'm not as confident as you. Really? I'm just. You really don't think we're going to. You are pessimistic, man. I feel great about tonight. No, well, look, you go, You don't want to be too optimistic. You don't want to be too confident and I'd then be set yourself up I'd be shocked for, if we lost. Set yourself up for disaster, Greg. That's kind of like the way I live my life. Can't be too optimistic about stuff, and then, and then it tears you down. Um, we by any means did not win yet. I'm optimistic about this one, man. Right. Really optimistic. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, BFFs. Let's do it now. Now's the time. If not now, then when, Greg? Uh, probably never. Uh, Michael Thomas, he was awesome yesterday. The Saints-Rams game, that game was awesome yesterday. Back and forth, Sean McVay versus Sean Payton. Um, as Sean Payton said after the game, we, we heard that they were going to match up Marcus Peters against Michael Thomas. Uh, we like their chances. Yeah, and if you saw on the touchdown, right, they kept replaying this. Marcus Peters wasn't even set. Like, what are you doing, dude? You're guarding Michael Thomas, and Marcus Peters is like looking around. He's like talking to other people, like trying to get set. And once Michael Thomas saw that, he was like, "All right, I'm just gonna blow past this guy. Throw me a touchdown." Yeah, look, that while it burned you, and it certainly burned a lot of people for fantasy. I'm sure you know we always have to talk about the other side of that, and I'm sure it helped a lot of people, propelled them into you know DFS winnings, uh, into regular season matchup wins as well. So uh, it was a fun game. I, I I enjoyed the fact that the Rams. Bounced back. I think we all kind of knew that that would happen because heading into halftime, you know, you're watching that game and you're thinking, oh, here we go. You know, was this supposed to be a marquee matchup? We're getting a blowout here. But then the Rams come out of the half. Um, they're hot. And, you know, this is actually one of the first, uh, you know, not incredibly dominant games from Todd Gurley. So, uh, so that was interesting. But um, all the, uh, the Rams wide receivers showed up. Robert Woods didn't score a touchdown, but again, consistency. He's awesome, man. 70 yards every single every game. Week. Yeah. Cooper Cup had the touchdown late, 41 yarder. Um, maybe not 100% still, but I mean, he did enough. He gave you a touchdown, obviously. Brandon Cooks, the revenge game against the Saints, did what he was supposed to. I think the storyline from this game, obviously, outside of Michael Thomas doing what he did, 211 yards, absolutely ridiculous game. Mark Ingram. We got, I mean, we got to talk about Mark Ingram. We do, because Mark Ingram sucks. Yeah, he had uh, he had ten touches in this game. Looked like he was going to be banished after he fumbled, it. fumbled. Came back, came back in. But the most frustrating part about Mark Ingram is that we waited all year and we thought that he would be the goal line back. Alvin Kamara scores two goal line touchdowns. Greg, Mark Ingram uh, certainly trending down right now for fantasy purposes in an offense that you know has been great. The Saints are scoring points. I mean, in a game they score forty five points. Mark Ingram has. 33 rushing yards and three receiving yards. 36 total yards and a fumble loss in a game where they score 45 points. It was clear that that week when he came back, it was to give the Alvin Kamara the, the rest, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's give him this week. We have a bye next week. And then we go full throttle back to Alvin Kamara. And that's exactly what they've done. Uh, the goal line carries that Mark Ingram was actually in on the play before. And they took him out, brought Kamara in, and then gave him that goal line carry. It's clear Kamara's their best back. We knew this already. And... He was just outstanding yesterday. Truly, truly was. Mark Ingram, not a threat. Uh, who would you rather own right now, Frankie? Mark Ingram or Kenyon Drake? Is death an option? No. Uh, I'll still take Kenyon Drake just because what we saw in those final games, like, I'm just going to continue to hold on to that. Like, if at any point Adam Gase realizes how talented Kenyon Drake is, then you could potentially have a RB1 on your hands. But... That likely isn't going to happen, but it's more likely to happen than Mark Ingram getting to that RB1. You know, like, the only way that that's going to happen is if Alvin Kamara gets hurt. So you're depending on injury there. At least with Kenyon Drake, we've seen that if he gets a full workload, which is still relatively possible. I, You know, I posted a story yesterday on Twitter. It made no sense to me. Adam Gase... Uh, you know, basically, he didn't give Kenyon Drake a touch in the second half, Greg. Yeah, no, I... He had one target... I know. In the that. second I, half. I, I and know you know, yeah. for whatever reason, I don't have a reasonable explanation. I watched this entire game. Yeah, it made no and sense. Dolphins. To me. It, made it no was sense to me. absolutely disgusting. The guy didn't get his first carry until the second quarter. I know that Frank Gore was like chasing the, the Barry Sanders scrimmage yards record because that's all they were talking about throughout the game. So maybe that was Adam Gase's reasoning, like, oh yeah, you know, we gotta get Frank Gore twenty carries. Twenty damn carries. It makes no sense. 
None. The story that I posted said, you know, uh, Drake knows that there were plays drawn up for him. It's just that every time we drew up a play, play for him, Todd Bowles and the Jets knew that when he was on the field that they were sending extra help to try and stop Kenyon Drake. So, I mean, whether that's true or not, I mean, maybe Todd Bowles made it, uh, you know, a defensive game plan that whenever Kenyon Drake was on the field, they were going to, you know, make sure that there's someone guarding him out of the backfield as a receiver or, you know, stack the box. And, and you know, they really were saying, all right, let's let, let anybody else on the Dolphins offense beat us behind Kenyon, uh, besides Kenyon Drake. Maybe that's a chance. But you still give the guy a shot, man. I mean, come on, dude. 20, 20 carries for Frank Gore. What, what did Kenyon Drake have, three? Now, in the, red zone, in, in the red zone, there were a couple of attempts to Kenyon Drake. The Jets, as you mentioned, sniffed out immediately. And it's frustrating because the Jets' defense is actually pretty good. Like they, I talk about their lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, they're good. They allowed six points in this game because seven of them scored. Seven of 13 scored in a pick six. Six, actually, because the extra point is to the defense. Six points were allowed <laughs> by, the, by the Jets' defense yesterday. They were phenomenal. But, I mean, this, the Jets franchise, again, like, the only hope I have for them is seeing what happened with Jared Goff in his rookie year and Trubisky in his rookie year and seeing a creative offensive mind come in and, you know, turn those young players around before, you know, they can have their confidence shattered, before they start developing bad habits. Because Sam Donald right now, look, he was, he, he was to blame yesterday, partially. But the guy has nothing to work with. If you're watching the game, I mean... The center, every single snap that uh, Sam Donald's taking in the shotgun is he's catching it up here. He's catching it down low. On the one that he threw the pick six, he had to catch it with one hand and reel it in. Like, yeah. It's not his fault. The offensive line is garbage. He's getting absolutely no help. There's no playmakers. There's no run game. Vanilla play calling. Sam Donald, I mean, he's he's in... Uh, there, there's a possibility here that they, they're starting to ruin Sam Donald. And it's, it's pretty tough to watch. The Jets' offense overall, I mean, you, you just you can't start anybody on this offense right now. Elijah McGuire might creep into the flex discussion. He played more snaps than Crowell yesterday, was a little bit more explosive, seven carries for 30 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, and you know what? They lined him up out wide a few times, which I thought was interesting because the team is void of offensive weapons. So they were using McGuire at a wide receiver at times, splitting him out wide, and he caught a quick slant, took it for 20 yards. He looked good. Uh, I think, you know, if he starts to get anywhere from 10 to 15 touches consistently, he's going to be in that flex discussion. If he could just overtake Crowell, I mean, you might have an RB2 on your hands. What is the game total on Sunday for the Jets and the Bills? I just looked it up. It's 36 and a half. <laughs> it's so terrible. I was tweeting with Florio about it last night. I said, my guess is 37 points. You're right. 37 would good, be the man. total, yeah. That's good. Right um, 36 and a half. That's we should probably talk about good football teams, Craig. Not the Jets and the Dolphins the Jets. or the Bills. Or the, you know, the Dolphins are the biggest enigma in the NFL. They're a wild card contender right now. They're five and four. They're not a good football team. Frank Gore, they're baby. They're not good. Frank Gore, baby. Dude, I'm telling you, they're not a good football team, and they're five and four. And they still have to play the Bills twice. So they, they might get two more easy wins there, too. The Dolphins are going to, like, barely make the playoffs this year. And they're just, they're not a good team. They beat up on bad teams so far. They beat the Jets twice. They beat the Raiders. They're not a good football team. It's crazy that they're, they're over 500. Also not a good football team. The Detroit Lions. They're bad, huh? You know what? You, you want to talk about enigmas? Yeah. The Dolphins are the enigma of the AFC. The Lions. Greg, the Lions have a win against the Patriots and the Packers this year. <laughs> and then they do what they did yesterday. The offensive line basically just didn't show up in Minnesota. I don't know. They didn't take the flight there. I mean, were they out drinking the night before? I don't know what happened, but Matthew Stafford sacked 10 times yesterday and couldn't get the ball. I mean, it's not his... I, there were Some of those sacks were like... They looked like rookie sacks. Like, you need to be able to feel the pressure and know that you're holding onto the ball too long. A few of those were definitely on Stafford, but yeah. the offensive line just didn't show up. And, you know, it's tough sledding for on Johnson moving forward, too, who, you know, saw the majority of the running back carries here. There were... 17 running back carries. He had 12 of them, but he only went for 3.1 yards per carry. He has a very tough schedule coming up. Faces the Bears twice in his next three games. Marvin Jones was okay in this game. Not what we expected. Eight targets. Six for 66. Okay, that's fine. I think we expected more. Kenny Galladay, right? I mean, only four targets in a game where, you know, we thought with Golden Take on, Kenny Galladay would step up. I had him in my DFS lineup. I know a lot of people did as well. Uh, it didn't work out. 
The Lions, uh, Lions look like a mess of a team right now, Greg, for both NFL and fantasy purposes. Yeah, they're, they're just a complete mess. on Johnson, a bit of a disaster yesterday with Theo Riddick returning. I mean, we kind of saw it coming, Frank. Theo Riddick, I mean, if you, if you just want to talk about PPR, he might have been dropped because Certainly, the two yeah. weeks that he missed because of injury. He is the guy who's going to fill that Golden Tate void, and I brought that up as a possibility yes, last did. week as well. Good thing we spent money on the other schmucks. Yeah, I mean, you didn't spend much, so it doesn't really hurt. But uh, yeah, Theo Riddick tied for the most targets on the team yesterday in his first game back. Eight targets, seven receptions, 36 yards. He's never going to give you a ton of yards... Might not score touchdowns, but just talking about, you know, like that Jalen Richard range of flex PPR running backs. Theo so, Riddick is now in that again. I agree with that, but I do want to remind you that the offensive line was so, so terrible yesterday for Detroit, allowing all of those sacks that he had very, very little time to look to Matthew Stafford. So it was dump, 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 the Theo Riddick. Why would that you. change, though, you know? The Vikings, the, are off- pretty good. the Vikings are pretty good defensive line. No, they do. They definitely do. They That's have a good why, pass yeah. rush. and. Again, I thought the Lions' offensive line was going to be great coming into you, the year. You were all over because that. Because on paper, they invested in the draft. They you know, they put money into their offensive line. And there were games this year when we saw Kerryon Johnson running well and Garrett Blunt with the multiple touchdowns, rushing in games, where the offensive line looked pretty good. So maybe there will be games where they bounce back. But again, talking about games with the Bears coming up, I mean, that's another team with a great defensive line, a great pass rush. We could see more of these games where... Stafford just needs to get rid of the ball fast, and that's going to be Theo Riddick who benefits. All right, so there you go. Um, on the other side, Fort Minnesota, Kyle Rudolph almost fell on a touchdown, so that was cool, <laughs> but not so much. Uh, what we, I do take away from this was what Frank got very frustrated about on Friday was Dalvin Cook going to be active and what he was going to do and what he was going to take away from Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. They had the same amount of carries. 10 each. Obviously, Dalvin Cook had the 70-yard run, which looked great. Um the rest of his nine carries went for 19 yards. Right. So what did you make out of that? Uh, I thought it was, it's a positive for Dalvin Cook, definitely. The fact that he's able to break a 70-yard run, hit top speed, and not re-injure his hamstring on the play, I felt very positive about that. He actually played more snaps than Latavius Murray in his first game back, 28-22. to 22. For the game, they said 10-20 to 20 snaps. He actually almost got up to 30. So if you own Latavius Murray, I'm worried about that. I'm very excited about Dalvin Cook. He gets the bye coming out that bye. Adam Thielen's worst game of the year yesterday as well. Your BFFs will be back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Back with you, Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Frank Stample and Greg Sussman. And as much as we learned yesterday during week nine of the NFL season, the narrative just keeps changing. The the story keeps changing. And that's kind of how I felt in Washington yesterday, where we thought the Washington Redskins uh, were a team with a very, very good defense, were a team that was going to rely on the running game to be successful. And at home, they got completely walloped by the Atlanta Falcons yesterday, 38-14, to with Adrian Peterson having nine carries for 17 yards. Their leading receiver was Super Harris at 10 receptions for 124 yards. Um, what's going on with the Washington football team, Frank? Just when you think you know, you don't know, man. Uh, look, Washington, they were coming into this game, they, they've played great defense. Alex Smith has done just enough. He's game-managed just enough. Adrian Peterson seems like he found the fountain of youth, and everything kind of crumbled in this game. I would say the one worry, and I've, I heard some people talking about this last week, uh, whether it was on game-time decision, uh, decisions with Gabe trying to handicap this game, they said, look, if the Falcons get up, does Washington have enough offensive firepower to fight back? And the answer was clearly no. And But honestly, the defense didn't show up either. I mean, to allow 38 points on your home field, I understand it's the Falcons. It is a really good defense. Uh, and Matt Ryan... You can argue the way he's playing this year, better than his MVP year, which is crazy to say. If you go down and look at his game log, the guy only has like three interceptions on the season. He's been phenomenal. It seems like he's throwing over 300 yards, multiple touchdowns on a weekly basis right now. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I will admit, I, th- I thought that one season for Matt Ryan, and I've openly said this, was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Like his MVP season was an anomaly. You look at everything else, it's, all right, he's between 20 and 25 touchdowns. He throws double-digit interceptions. Like not a great fantasy quarterback. 
This year, it's completely different. He's been asked to take on more of the offensive workload because the defense is extremely injured. Uh, yesterday, they were just pouring it on. I know a lot of it was like screen passes that worked out well for him, but when you have athletes like the Falcons do, stuff like that is going to happen because Julio Jones, you throw him a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. Finally, right? we should be throwing a party right now. Julio Jones scores his first touchdown of the season in week eight of the NFL se- Nine. nine. This was week nine. Yeah. Hard to keep up with what week it is anymore. But Julio Jones, week nine. Kevin Coleman, two receiving touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, another receiving touchdown. A lot of them were just like, you know, close to the line of scrimmage, and his awesome athletic offensive playmakers made plays after it. So uh, you know, shout out to the Falcons getting it done here. But uh, I, I would say the majority of people who were trying to read this Washington game were dead wrong, and they will admit that as well. Yeah, I, I mean... Very obviously dead wrong, dude. Um, I, I thought that... Let me start with Atlanta. I want to start with Washington, but you kind of dove into Atlanta. Uh, Julio Jones... <laughs> That's true, right? Like You asked me about Washington, I ended up talking about Atlanta. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's fine, man. Like Julio Jones was awesome yesterday, and he continued to do what he did, and he finally got in the end zone. Um, and you could you saw it. Every, this is the big narrative today, how happy the team was for him. And he's such a leader, and... That's great. That, that, that's fantastic. Um, they tried to get Calvin Ridley involved early. It didn't really work. He had a couple of drops, um, but came back with a big 40-yard touchdown where he, he weaved in, in his way and used that speed, that breakaway speed. That worked out well. Targeted second most to Julio yesterday at nine times. So if you're a Calvin Ridley owner, uh, you're obviously pumped about that. I've also seen a lot today, narrative-wise, that Mohamed Sanu really taking a backseat. I don't know if that's true. I had to look at the snap count, which I haven't seen yet. But Sanu was seemingly out there every play. He's their best run-blocking wide receiver, that's for sure. Um, but his role is much closer to the line of scrimmage than Calvin Ridley's. For fantasy purposes, you're gonna, I'd rather have Ridley than Sanu. But I wouldn't just like, drop Sanu yet. I still think with bye weeks still rolling, I have no problem uh, owning and potentially starting Muhammad Sanu. When it comes to the running game, Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith split it pretty evenly. Both had a lot of success on the ground. Coleman averaged 6.8 yards per carry, while Ido Smith averaged 6 yards per carry. But Tevin Coleman got it done in the passing game, Frank, for the first time this year uh, with five catches, 68 yards, and those two TDs. Yeah, that's where he finally emerged, right? And we've kind of, this is something we've talked about going back to last year. You know, the usage of the running backs in the past game and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, wasn't using Devontae Freeman last year, wasn't using Tevin Coleman all that much. So maybe there's something that they figured out during the bye. I really like when teams come out of the bye and kind of click on all cylinders because that tells you, all right, maybe they figured something out during that off week and now they're going to, you know, continue to do these things moving forward. So I really, really like the the pass game usage out of Tevin Coleman in this game, you know, targeted seven times. Uh, that was a season high, five receptions season high, 68 receiving yards season high, obviously the two touchdowns. Everything in the past game for Tevin Coleman was a season high yesterday. On the Washington side of things, Adrian Peterson, huge letdown. I know that we've talked about his consistency. We did last week about how often he's been up over 90 rushing yards. It's games like this where they fall behind, where the game script is just going to cripple Adrian Peterson's fantasy value for that game. Uh, and we saw Capri Bibbs, of all people, yeah. you know, uh, Volter, the uh, the red zone touchdown there. If Adrian Peterson gives you that, you feel a little bit better. Definitely. But he still was not good in this game. The Washington Washington just didn't show up. Mo Harris, though, I will say this. Soup. 12 target. What? Soup Harris. Is that his name? Well, his name is Maurice, but nickname is Soup. Why is his nickname Soup? Just is. I enjoy a good soup, Greg. Twelve. What's your favorite kind of soup? Uh, I you know I'm a big fan lately of cream of tomato, mm-hmm. cream of tomato, very oh. good. Cream of potato as well. Never mind. I like the cream. This isn't uh, this isn't soup. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, forget everything oh. Greg just talked about. Twelve targets for Mo Harris in this game. Ten receptions, 124 ah. yards. See, I got confused now. Played the majority of the snaps out of the slot for Mo Harris in this game. Going to continue to say, we like slot receivers. And uh, there were a few plays where Alex Smith just trusted. You could see the trust between him and Harris here. Next week, they play Tampa Bay. So I'm sure tomorrow when we talk about the waiver wire show, Mo Harris is uh, is going to be one of those names that uh, that we're, we're, we're talking frequently. Sue Harris is Marcus Harris, not Maurice Harris. That's where the confusion Marcus is. Marcus Harris? Yeah. Who the hell is Marcus Harris? Or New York Giant. Wait. Wait. 
So anyway, yeah. Didn't, didn't plan that. So Maurice Harris was really good yesterday without Jamison Crowder in the lineup. He obviously stepped up in the slot. Uh, as Frankie mentioned, the AP touchdown Vulture by Capri Bibbs. And the only reason it was Vultures was because they were in hurry up and they were going quickly. Capri Bibbs was on the field. They handed him the ball and he went into the end zone there. So obviously nothing to worry about when it comes to Adrian Peterson. In, in the passing game, Vernon Davis stepped up 5 for 62. And almost all of that came with Jordan Reed hurt. Now he came into this game with a bit of a neck injury. He took a hard fall on a hard tackle on an incomplete pass early in the third quarter. And I, you know, I watched a lot because I own Jordan Reed. I didn't see him again. And I, I, I don't know if that was true or just I, I missed it. But it was all Vernon Davis. And there was a clear connection with Alex Smith and Vernon Davis going back to the San Francisco days that he just doesn't have with Jordan Reed. I know we, we were used to Jordan Reed being peppered with targets. It just doesn't work, man. Playing Tampa Bay, we're going to get into the box in just one moment. Playing Tampa Bay next week, you want the starting tight end for this team. And, you know, honestly, as the Jordan Reed owner, I'm hoping it's Vernon Davis. I really am. Yeah, and Jordan Reed uh, dealing with neck and back injuries after the game, too. Uh, so I spoke about that. And then, yeah, obviously the production from Vernon Davis in this game. And look, they play Tampa Bay next week. We just saw what Greg Olson did against the Tampa Bay Bucks. We see what every offense does against the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. So, yes, it would, it would help fantasy owners if instead of, you know, two tight ends being used, it would be just one guy. So maybe we could depend on Vernon Davis, if Jordan Reed is out, for a safe, you know, six to eight targets. And anytime you get that out of a tight end, you're going to be close or borderline tight end one. So we'll see what happens between these two. But if Jordan Reed is forced to miss any time, Vernon Davis against Tampa Bay looks like a phenomenal play. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Bucks, they fell yesterday 42-28 to to Carolina. And as I said, we were going over our picks for the week. I had this game right. And they would get all the way down. And come all the way back. And they were down just seven points late in the third quarter. They get a field goal or something like they cover you there. Exactly. With the ball, I thought, at one point. It, it didn't work out, unfortunately. But it really was the game that a lot of us predicted. Ryan Fitzpatrick had four touchdowns, two disgustingly terrible interceptions. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton had two touchdowns for the sixth consecutive week passing. Um, this game really went according to the script. Christian McCaffrey was fantastic with those two touchdowns on the ground, uh, over 150 total yards, which is awesome. Greg Olson stepped up. Again, just a lot of what we expected on both sides, other than the leading wide receiver in Tampa Bay, Frank. Yeah, and that was uh, Mike Evans. In terms of targets, he was the guy. He saw the most targets in this game. Ten targets. Incredibly, incredibly inefficient. Uh, admittedly, I didn't watch this entire game. I just, you know, I saw the first interception that Fitzmagic threw. He was targeting Mike Evans on that play, but just completely overthrew him. I don't think that was the part of Mike Evans, but yeah, just not on the same page here, which is kind of odd because all the other games this year, it seemed like Fitzmagic and Mike Evans actually had a pretty good connection. So 10 targets only converted one of those for 16 yards. Adam Humphreys was the guy here. Targeted eight times, eight receptions, 82 yards, two touchdowns. Just when you think you have the Tampa Bay Bucks offense figured out, Greg, uh, really the one constant, the one that we can depend on right now is O.J. Howard. Uh, because for, for the wide receivers, yeah, we want to trust Mike Evans. We want Chris Godwin to be a thing. We want Deshaun Jackson to be that boom wide receiver, although we know he's boom or bust. Um, but yeah, I mean, inconsistency out of Godwin continues. Deshaun Jackson, two for 32. Adam Humphreys and uh, O.J. Howard, the main two culprits here in the pass game for the Tampa Bay Bucks, And O.J. Howard, a guy that we spoke about on Friday, uh, I had him in all my DFS lineups. Yeah. The Panthers were allowing the most fantasy points to tight ends. Yep. It, was, it was just a, a matchup made in heaven. Yeah, I, and that was one of the similarities you and I had in our BFF fan lineup was having O.J. Howard in there. Um, we each had O.J. Howard, we each had the Chicago Bears defense. So do, do you have MVS also or now? I did not have MVS. Yeah, I think we might have some I had, uh, receiver. I had Kenny Galladay who let me that was down. It. Obviously, that, that was Galladay. That we each had uh, the same. I had Cortland Sutton. So yeah, I paid up for Kareem Hunt, and then I uh, worked out. No, I thought Isaiah like, Crowell would have a big game. Obviously, that was, that was your mistake. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Thielen scored a touchdown, but really didn't live up to the value I expected. Oh, I had him too. I knew it was, we had some wide receivers the same. I had Thielen and Galladay. Um, my third wide receiver was MVS. It's pretty good. It's yeah, pretty good. Uh, probably fading the Saints uh, Rams game. Probably not a great idea, Greg. Probably not our bet. Um, did I have Robert Woods? No, I didn't because I just told. No, yeah, not a great idea. <laughs> not a great idea at all. Um, in Denver, Courtland Sutton, you just mentioned Denver and Houston. Houston wins basically uh, thanks to Vance Joseph and the offense in Denver settling really for a fifty-one yard field goal with Brandon McManus missed, and of course coming off the field at the end of the game, 
You see what Bill O'Brien I didn't see said. this, but I heard about it. I heard so, Bill O'Brien was like talking I re- smack. I read the lips repeatedly to make sure I have it right. It was what do you like, say? You're an idiot? <laughs> no, even better. It was like, it was like, thank you, Vance, you dumb F. <laughs> it was, I hope they show it. I, it uh, Bill, yeah, Bill O'Brien and it. all the Texans backers in that game were saying the same exact thing. I loved it. I A lot of people liked the Texans it. yesterday. I actually ended up betting on the, the Texans yesterday. Uh, you know, one, one of my better bets of the day. I, uh, I'll just end it there. <laughs> <laughs> one of the only good bets of the day. Uh, but for Denver, um, Cortland Sutton didn't really get involved as much as we would have hoped necessarily uh, in this one. But there was one player that really did step up for Denver with Demarius Thomas out, and that was Jeff Hyreman. 10 receptions, 83 yards on 11 targets. Both him and Emmanuel Sanders led this team in targets. Hyreman with 11. Uh, Sanders with 9. Cortland Sutton had just 5. Philip Lindsay on the ground, 17 for 60. Um, Denver's offense, while not exactly enjoyable in any way, I think it's kind of clear. Jeff Hyreman, someone you probably want to pick up if he's out there. Yeah, especially following the trade of Demarius Thomas. You wanted to see who stepped up here. We all thought it would be Cortland Sutton. And I still think better days are coming for Cortland Sutton. He's, you know, very obviously the starting wide receiver, too, on this team now alongside Emmanuel Sanders. So I think better days are going to come. But it's it's clear that without Demarius Thomas, they need somebody for those shorter intermediate routes. And Jeff Hyreman was the biggest benefactor of those, seeing 11 targets. Now, I'm not going to buy all the way in. I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm blowing a bunch of fab on him, but anytime we see a performance like this out of a tight end, it has to at least catch your eye. The one problem is the Broncos are on bye next week, so if you add Hireman, you gotta you got to stash him in hope, which is very hard to do if you're, like, stashing two tight ends uh, because obviously you can't use him last week. Phillip Lindsay... Uh, just continues to get the the full workload as long as um, as long as Royce Freeman is out. This was the first game actually this year, Greg, that he was held under four point five yards per carry in a single game. Who would you rather have going forward, Philip Lindsay or Carry On Johnson? Yeah, it's a, it's it could potentially be a messy situation once Royce Freeman is back in the mix here. Uh, but I'll I'll take Philip Lindsay. He's been a little bit more explosive. I, I like the talent of Carry On a lot, but I just really don't like the matchups coming up here. Okay. For the Detroit Lions. I thought, I thought it was a good one. I thought, I thought that's that close. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, it, like if Royce Freeman comes back in the mix, then Philip Lindsay's not getting the 17 carries he had this week, the 18 carries he had last week. He's probably more so in that 13, 14 carry range uh, while still getting his, you know, three, four targets a game. Uh, but I, I just, I like the explosiveness that we've seen out of Lindsay. Um, and I don't know what the schedule is, but I have to assume it's better than what the Detroit Lions have. Let's see. Out of the bye, the, the Chargers, Steelers, not a great matchup. Bengals, a good matchup. 49ers, a pretty good matchup. Browns, a good matchup. Raiders, yeah, so a better schedule going forward for the Broncos. Yep, all right, there you go. Um, one more game I want to hit Greg on. Lamar Miller. Houston, look back to Houston. Look back to Houston. I almost forgot this. You almost forgot. I almost forgot. You have something to report on Lamar Miller? Greg? I do, actually. So I was watching this game, yeah, and yeah. I was like, let me see who's starting uh, for Houston. This yeah. is Marius Thomas. Uh-huh. And you know who's in the backfield at the start of the game? Who, who was that? It was not Lamar Miller. It was not Lamar no, Miller. No, it was Alfred Blue. Why do you think they would do that? Because he's better than Lamar Miller. Do you know why that? Do you know why? I think I have a guess. Because Lamar Miller sucks! We've been trying to tell you this. Sell him! Sell him! Sell him! And what did you do? You didn't! And what happens now? You can't! Why? Because Lamar Miller sucks! Why you gotta be so mean? Why are you going to be so hard on Lamar Miller? Greg? 12 carries, 21 yards on the day for Lamar Miller. Alfred Blue, 15 yeah, but 29. Yards. Um, Jonte Foreman, you heard, was going to return during the bye week. Not so much. Maybe next week they'll start practicing. Uh, we'll see. But Lamar Miller, not the answer here. Not the answer anywhere. Not ever the answer. Yeah, very interesting usage between him and Alfred Blue. I wonder if uh, Lamar Miller was banged up dealing with some kind of injury coming into this one. I, d- I don't remember seeing anything like that. Uh, regarding Lamar Miller, but I don't see any other reason why they would start Alfred Blue yeah, or why he would get more carries than Lamar Miller. Miller was running well, too. So, uh, very interesting usage there of the running backs in Houston. I, I, I would still try and sell if you can do that based on the two games that he had. I honestly thought that this was, I thought he was in prime position here to have another good game. I was telling people, wait till after the Broncos game because I thought he could have another solid performance and then sell him after that one. Uh, but now it looks like that window might have closed. Coming up, they have Washington and Tennessee, both teams that have been pretty good against the run. So, uh, 
yeah, it looks like we're back to Lamar Miller, the flex option rather than the RB2. DeAndre Hopkins dominated yesterday, 10 for 105 on those 12 targets. Demarius Thomas had three targets, three receptions. I felt like that was all in the first drive, and there's nothing yeah. else after that. Yeah. Really weird. I know that they, whenever they cut to this game, there were a few times where like he didn't know what the play was. Like I saw specifically one play, he had well, to call a timeout. He did. Where he, he ran in motion. Timeout, yeah. yeah, and he just he had no idea what was going on. So, so you, this is what we talked we talked about this last week too, Greg, on our trade deadline special when we were recapping the games. I said that it's not like baseball or basketball where you know you get traded to a team and you just play your game. Like the in the NFL, you have to learn the play calls. You have to learn where you're supposed to be on the field. So it's going to take some time for Demarius. I still think he's in that high end wide receiver three range moving forward. Uh, the three targets were not great, but I'd have to imagine that the more he learns the offense, the more he gets acclimated, he'll see more targets. But remember, Kiki QT did not play in this game either. I think that's worth noting when De- DeAndre Hopkins sees 12 targets of the 24 pass attempts, Greg. He saw a 50% target share in this game, which is just absolutely massive in the first game. Uh, without Will Fuller since the injury. So uh, I think we're going to continue to see a massive, massive target share for D-Hop. But Kiki QT is going to be back at some point. Hopefully after the bye, Jordan Thomas just one catch for seven yards. It was a touchdown, but one catch yesterday uh, for Houston. When we come back, we're going to get into Broadway Baker and the Browns against Kansas City. What's changed? Another person you're going to have to pick up this week. Uh, as well as hitting some of these other games, including the Chargers and Seattle. And last night, Sunday Night Football, Green Bay and New England. Stick around. More from your BFFs right after this. If you're someone that needs fantasy sports advice every day, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network has you covered. When you download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, you get the top fantasy advice every single day right through the weekend. Be sure to listen to our weekend warriors like College Football Today. Welcome to College Football Today Weekend Fantasy Update. They call me the fantasy Jesus. In this league, it is never short of exciting at ITL. And so much more. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app in the iTunes and Google Play Store now. And keep the best fantasy experts right in your pocket all day long and all week long. Did I ever tell you about that 80s bar in Florida? Maybe. So they do all 80s covers with these three dudes. And they oh, have, they're live band. Yeah. Okay. And they have, so you just go to a bar. It's upstairs on the roof in, in the city of West Palm. And they literally do these like funny 80s dances. It's all these songs as, as they're singing. <laughs> so they come out for this song, right? They go on me and it's just like, snaps that we were doing. And they're all in sync and rhythm. It's hysterical. <laughs> uh, I got the... Oh, God, I forgot the name. I feel like you and I could pull that off, though. I think so, too. Like, obviously not, like, the singing or playing instruments or anything like that, but we could be dancers. But then there's certain hilarious songs where... Maybe I could be. They have, like, an electric guitar. Me, you, and Scott Engel. Where they have this electric guitar. I'll always remember this. He, like, plays one note, right? Yep. And it's this fat guy with the big glasses, and he's just smoking a cigarette like the Sandman would, and his name is Eugene, and it was amazing. Eugene. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't that all sound awesome? That does sound great. Thanks. I want to congratulate the thousands of you that profitable MLB Daily Fantasy seasons in 2018 by using the Daily Roto MLB DFS Optimizer. Halfway through the NFL season, the NFL Optimizer has already produced millions of dollars in winnings for its subscribers, including the multiple winners that have won hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hell, we've also had a million-dollar winner. NBA's in full swing. The DailyRoto.com NBA Live Optimizer is now available, and subscribers are crushing it on a nightly basis there. If you're hooked, you can now buy the DailyRoto.com Elite Package, giving you access year-round to the suite of successful tools and projections. The DailyRoto.com subscribers have been using to print money in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and PGA Daily Fantasy. We sign up for our Elite Package. Elite. You'll get the NFL betting tools they've rolled out, including against the spread, money line, game totals, and player props. Head on over to DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium and check out what the Elite Package has to offer. If you don't have a problem with winning money year-round, you're going to love it. Enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. Frank, I said all week I was going to start um, Broadway Baker. And I did. Pretty good. Got me 20 fantasy points in my league. Not a bad game. 297 passing yards, two touchdowns, did have one interception, but overall was, was pretty good. The Browns in general, Nick Chubb, a lot of people expected big games. But Chubb didn't let them down. 22 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. And he was very, very good. But the story was a different running back, running back in quotations. That 
was Duke Johnson. Nine receptions for 78 yards and two touchdowns on nine targets. Oh, that was the other wide receiver I used, Jarvis Landry. My fan duel. The Juice had six catches for 50 yards and seven targets. New offense from Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. What did we learn? Yeah, we learned, uh, we learned that Duke Johnson should have been used more uh, while Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson was, was there. I mean, Duke Johnson pretty much giving those two uh, the double birds and uh, getting back on the radar of fantasy owners here. I, I love the efficiency, too. Nine targets caught all nine of them, so there's already kind of a, a natural connection there between him and Baker. So, I mean, it just it raises more questions. Why wasn't Duke Johnson being used more by the previous coaching regime? And I think that's uh, that's part of the reason why they're not there anymore. I will say this, Greg. I looked into his ownership percentage and starting percentage yesterday on CBS Sports, already owning 70% of leagues. So maybe if you play in 10-teamers, uh, you go out there and pick him up. He absolutely needs to be owned in every single PPR league. He's going to, in my opinion, rocket up to a high-end flex option in PPR every single week. We saw how good that he can be for PPR purposes last year. He finished as a, what, top 15, top 12 running back last year for PPR. We know how good he can be. And this is a team right now that is void of offensive weapons. Outside of Jarvis Landry and David Njoku, they don't have a ton of pass-cashing options here. So Duke Johnson... Uh, instantly steps up as a guy that you know they can he can catch passes out of the backfield. They can line up in the slot, line him out wide. I saw they use him in multiple different ways yesterday. So really, really encouraging. And he's not the only running back I'm encouraged by here, Greg, because Nick Chubb, you know, showed off um, you know why he was drafted in the second round. And I know you might look at his line and see oh 3.9 yards per carry. He made a few very very shifty runs on that touchdown run. If you watched him. Great, great patience, waited for the hole to open up, and then ran through that. The guy had 22 carries yesterday. He hasn't had less than 18 carries in a single game since Carlos Hyde has been traded. He is a bona fide high-end RB2 because of the way he's being used, averaging over 19 carries a game in those three games, and proved even in a game where the Browns are losing, he's still going to get a heavy workload. So I trust Nick Chubb week in and week out right now to get 18 to 20 touches, even in games where they have negative game scripts because we just saw it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Again, a little bit different because Kansas City has a terrible run defense, and Nick Chubb was able to exploit that a little bit. The thing is, for fantasy purposes, they do, but where they've been killed a lot this year is at, for uh, running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. Which, do, so they, which again... Which is what Duke Johnson did. Yeah. But they actually aren't terrible on a yards-per-carry basis and allowing rushing yards per game. That's probably because... Uh, a lot of the teams that they face, they blow out, so those teams have to abandon the run. But they actually have been pretty good against actual, like, pure running backs. So for Chubb to go out there and still give you 85 yards and a touchdown, I, I, if I own him right now, I feel, uh, feel, I feel pretty damn good. If you owned him and Carlos Hyde, and I know it sucks you lost Carlos Hyde, but in losing Carlos Hyde, you gained an RB2 in Nick Chubb. So it's just kind of like you traded one guy for the other. Absolutely. And Duke Johnson, who it's frustrating because I've owned him and I've dropped him pretty much everywhere. Um, is and I held on to him in my home league. You did hold on and to him. And a few people nice. asked me about it over nice. the weekend. Should I drop Duke Johnson? I'm like, let's see how the new OC uses him. Let's wait one. Because there's, there's a chance. So and you're saying there's a chance. And also, um, yeah, we should have realized this, right? That like the new OC running backs coach. So mm-hmm. that's where he comes from, the Cleveland staff. Yep. He's going to hype up, hype up Nick Chubb, hype up Stu Johnson. We missed that last week, um, and we, should, we shouldn't have. So um, bad job by us there. You know, something, I don't know how we would find this information out because it's always something that, I, that we learn after the game, but like Travis Kelsey being an Ohio native, apparently that was like a storyline. Because they it's asked him after the game, they were like, how does it feel to score a touchdown? You were, you know, you were from Cleveland. Like it, it seems like whenever teams go back to a place where like a player is from, they make it a thing to like get that player involved. I remember last year, Greg, Jarek McKinnon against Atlanta. It's all the broadcast was talking about Jarek McKinnon coming back to Atlanta, playing in the dome, uh, whatever, and and he scored a touchdown in that game. So I, I I don't know how we would keep track of like where every player is from and whether they're having a homecoming, but apparently that was like a legit storyline. Kelsey coming home. Uh, just playing in Cleveland, and he scored, you know, he had 99 yards and yeah, two touchdowns. He was I mean, phenomenal. Th- that was a storyline, but it didn't matter because you, you're never not starting Travis Kelsey. No, but you know? I mean, uh, no, that's, that's a good point, but I mean for DFS purposes. Like, Fair that enough. could have been the deciding factor. Like, okay, 
I OJ Howard fine. It was fine. Yeah, OJ Howard was very good. There you go. Uh, Tyreek Hill did play through his back injury. He had a four for sixty-nine. Uh, Sammy Watkins had five for sixty-two. So both of them pretty even. Uh, Spencer Ware four for sixty-nine out of the backfield for Kansas City. You got to own him if he's not owned anywhere. Make sure you make sure you grab him for this stretch run. I know. Uh, yeah, we're getting Sil- close to that time where like you I think have we're there. To own I think we're there. Yeah. Uh, I know Evan Silva's tweeted this out a lot. And Scott Fianowski as well. This is when you got to own the handcuffs. And Spencer because Ware... Because you have next to no fab left anyway. Correct. Spencer Ware is the clear handcuff to Kareem Hunt. If anything happens, Ware's going to step right into this role. You want to own the running back in Kansas City. Kareem Hunt, 17 carries, 91 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Patty Mahomes was as you know phenomenal as always. So, Yeah, it's par for the course for the Chiefs offense. I think a uh, little bit let down by what Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins did, but there's just going to be those games where, all right, this week it's Kelsey and Kareem Hunt. You just kind of got to take the good with the bad. In, in Seattle yesterday, the Seahawks fell 25-17. Russell Wilson had him on the goal line to end the game. Untimed down to win it. David Moore dropped it. Brutal David. I don't necessarily uh, blame David Moore, though. Did you see it just barely got tipped? No, I'm going to blame David Moore. When he's nah, the chance, it, you got to catch the ball. Nah, it... it- it, you got to watch the play again. I it, did. It hit the I fingertips did. And then the ball, like that, changes no, the trajectory. I, 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 told, and when you I, I get to, it. I when, get it. Yeah. But when it's in your chest, you got to catch that man. I'm sorry. It, it's a harder Game catch on the than line. you realize. I, I I know what you're saying, but it's a harder catch than you realize. I once agree. It tap. Uh, once it once that fingertip hits it, it completely changes the trajectory of the ball and everything. Like he should have caught it, but I, I don't. I don't completely put that. Yeah. It's a great play by the defender. Yes, fantastic to play by the defender, but I'm, you know, we disagree. You got, you got to catch the ball. I, I feel Russell Wilson threw it close to forty times, which was good for fantasy purposes. <laughs> yards, not so much. Six yards per attempt here, Greg. Ugh. What are we doing? They're not pushing the ball down the field at all. Uh, Doug Baldwin, you like the yardage that he had in this game, but still just four targets. I've mentioned, you know, wide receiver by committee, and it seems weird, but look at the wide receivers on this team. David Moore was the most targeted wide receiver yesterday. He had seven targets, but, I mean, he had two for 16. Tyler Lockett, four targets, three for 22. Doug Baldwin, four targets, four for 77. Four for 77 helps, and, if you know, I feel like a lot of people had him in there as a, as a wide receiver three, but, I mean, if he has the same number of targets as Tyler Lockett, I mean, he very easily could have been the guy with three for 22. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. The, the the Seahawks pass catchers right now, it's it's just a mess. And I, I on a weekly basis, I can't rank any player higher than a wide receiver three. And I know I might get burned for like the accuracy rankings, but it's just there's no way of knowing. It's just a complete, you know, all right, one we'll just take what defenses are giving to us. You know, Nick Vanette was targeted eight times in this game. Ed Dixon, a guy who scored a touchdown last week, who we thought maybe could be a viable tight end this week, uh, with with the six teams on a bye, he only had one target. And, you know, he zero catches, zero receiving yards. Chris Carson was the storyline coming into this game, whether he was going to play, dealing with the hip injury, something he's kind of dealt with all season long. Eight carries, 40 uh, rushing yards, five yards to carry. He was fine, but left the game at halftime. We didn't see him again. I think uh, I have a good feeling that when we do the waiver wire show tomorrow, Mike Davis is going to be one of the top ads because we've seen in games that Chris Carson doesn't play, 15 for 62, four yards a pop, and he was heavily, heavily used in the passing game. So it's now, you know, the past couple of games that Chris Carson has either not played or has been injured throughout. Mike Davis has been the guy who uh, picks up the slack. Not first-round pick Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny did have that touch on the first drive, though, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Mike Davis stepped up in the second half. It was all about him. He's clearly the second running back on this team. There's just no rhyme or reason with anything with Seattle right now. There's not. There's no, there's no pattern that you can say that, oh, oh, in this matchup, Doug Baldwin, we got to use him. In this matchup, David Moore is going to be the most targeted wide receiver. Uh, today, Rashad Penny is going to be used. I mean, there's no reading Heat Carroll and the Seahawks right now, which sucks for fantasy owners, but it's great from an NFL perspective because it makes it, it makes them a team that's hard to game plan for, and that's all they care about. From an NFL perspective, if you're trying to figure out who am I going to defend today, that, that creates problems. If you don't know, uh, you know, are we going to see Rashad Penny? Are we going to see Mike Davis? Are we going to see Chris Carson? That makes hard for opposing teams to game plan for the Seahawks, so it helps them from an NFL perspective. It's a complete mess for fantasy owners. On the other side for the Chargers, they've released Caleb Sturgis this morning after he missed, left uh, five points on the on the board yesterday. It, which is just, there are a few things every single year that are just locks for like the Caleb NFL Sturgis season. Sucking. Like Julio Jones not scoring touchdowns is one of them. I thought about this yesterday. Julio Jones not scoring touchdown. Whoever the Chargers signed to be their kicker is going to suck. I don't. It's like 
there's like a bad juju somewhere. Uh, there, there's someone with like a voodoo doll with like the Chargers kicking it and like stabbing their leg because every single year, there's a few locks in the NFL. And, yep. and the Chargers just having a terrible kicker is one of them every single year. It's crazy. Since Nate Kading. Probably should bring Nate Kading back. You should probably just sign Cairo Santos and just have a good kicker. Nah, they, they promoted the guy off the practice squad who, who <laughs> well, to be fair, he kicked for them when Caleb Sturgis was hurt and made all 10 of his kicks. Michael right. Badgley, I believe his name is. Caleb uh, Sturgis, I mean, he, wasn't a bad kicker before this year, no, right? No, he was not. Um, Spent time with the Eagles, he, Dolphins. Yep. Keenan Allen stepped up, 6 for 124 on 10 targets. He was all over the field yesterday. Love that, this game. Uh, that's the big yeah. takeaway. And Melvin Gordon was awesome, 16 for 113 and 1. Yeah, just look at the target share for Keenan Allen in this game. And again, this is what I love to see uh, coming off the bye, right, with the Chargers. Uh, kind of similar to the Falcons, how you know the Falcons kind of figured out their offense in uh, throughout the bye. I'm not going to say the Chargers necessarily figured their offense out because we would still want Mike Williams to be viable here for us. But they did figure out Keenan Allen. 10 targets on 26 passing attempts. That is a massive, massive target share there. Uh, up over 124 yards. Keenan Allen, never a guy who's going to score a ton of touchdowns. But for PPR purposes, uh, even in half PPR, this was a very, very encouraging game for Keenan Allen. And then Melvin Gordon, a guy who you know we got a lot of questions about last week. Uh, dealing with the hamstring injury, worried, you know, is he going to be the next Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, constantly dealing with this hamstring injury? Kind of shut everyone up yesterday. 16 carries. Uh, of of the 19 running back carries yesterday for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon had 16 of those. Incredible efficiency, seven yards a carry, uh, a touchdown. The, the, the pass game usage took a backseat here. Still saw four targets, only one reception, but... Uh, yeah, if you were worried about Melvin Gordon because of the hamstring injury, I think that you're worried no more, Greg. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that. And speaking of no more, we're done on the video <laughs> side of things. Fantasy Football Frenzy is up next. Chris Venture, Corey Parson, and Jim Day will have you covered there. If you're listening to the podcast, please like, subscribe, rate it five stars, leave a comment. If you're listening on the radio, we'll go another four minutes with you as we wrap up the program. Frank, Frank before we get to our pick for tonight, two games uh, two other games yesterday that we didn't really get a chance to get into. Um, that was last night, the Patriots and the Packers. A little bit of an underwhelming game, uh, I thought. Um, Josh Gordon stepped up without Rob Gronkowski. He looks uh, locked and loaded as one of Tom Brady's new favorite targets. And MVS really stepped up without Geronimo Allison and with Devontae Adams being covered, um, really double covered for most of the night. MVS stepped up in a major way. Yeah, he had the, was tied for the second most targets in this game with Jimmy Graham and Randall Cobb. Uh, he's starting to show that, you know, he can make contested catches down the field. I mean, MVS, you know, a guy who's well over six feet tall, he's very fast, so he can make some of these big plays. And I like to say this about young players, especially with, uh, with one of the better quarterbacks in the league. If you start to earn their trust, they're going to continue to go your way. So MVS looking like that high-end wide receiver three, Packers wide receiver, which we are... Constantly trying to find who's that number two guy who can be the wide receiver three for me. Earlier on in the season, it was Allison. He's banged up. As of right now, it looks like it's MVS. On the Patriots side of things, you know, it's interesting. You know, Josh Gordon being tardy to some practices last week, said that he was going to be benched. Didn't happen. Belichick said it was made up. That's so, I mean, it's just, it's kind of been a weird, weird tenure for Josh Gordon to this point. But I will say, while he doesn't look like the same athlete, the same player of years past, the Patriots are clearly, clearly making it a thing to get him involved. You know, whether it's down the field, you saw on the red zone, when they were in the red zone, they threw him the goal line, uh, you know, back shoulder pass, which was like a slip on his part. It was not great. Uh, the touchdown that he scored, that was pure mastery of Tom Brady. Just manipulating the defense, looking off uh, both corners to the to the screen pass. They both bit, threw it to Josh Gordon. Uh, the rest was history there. And look, James White, man. James White just continuing to get it done. The guy is just an absolute monster for fantasy purposes. Um, yeah, just more of the same from him. Uh, Sony Michelle hopefully gets healthy throughout the bye, but I mean, this knee injury could continue to be a thing for Sony Michelle the rest of the season. Last game, Bills and Bears. We saved it to last. There's nothing <laughs> there. Jordan Howard stepped up um, against the hapless Bills team. The Bears defense was the obvious play. Good thing yep. we played him. Yeah, shout out to our guy, Michael Florio, who's been uh, banging the drum for Jordan Howard as a buy-low candidate. Uh, we we mentioned the uh, the matchups against the Detroit Lions coming up. Two of the next three games, Detroit hasn't been able to stop anybody on the ground. Even with acquiring Snacks Harrison, we just saw 
what Dalvin Cook did with that 70-yard run. Latavius Murray also scored a rushing touchdown. So continue to use your running backs against the Lions. Jordan Howard looks like he's in a great position moving forward. Titans are visiting Jerry World tonight. Monday night football spreads down to 5.5, I believe. Dallas' favorite. Frank, who you got? Uh, with the five and a half points, I will. Uh, I'll take Tennessee. I think this is a closer game, three or four point game. Uh, I'll also take the over as well, but I like Tennessee more. I'll annoyingly take Dallas and the under. I'm completely separate from you. We'll see what happens. For Frank Stanfield, my name is Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for watching the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope.